0: So, we're coming at you today a little bit different angle than we normally do. Billy thought, let's mix things up a little bit. Let's do, let's, let's just get crazy. Let's throw caution to the wind. Let's be nutso. And so we're going to start with a serious story. A serious, <laughs> serious story.
1: <laughs> a serious serious, <laughs> serious,
0: serious, serious, serious story.
1: Oh, he flunked out of comedy school, I'm uh, convinced of I'm not, that.
0: I didn't even attend.
1: <laughs> You're right, it was clown school. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh well,
0: big big I news this week has been the the over the last week or two, since the Paris attacks has really been the the Syri- the story of the Syria refugees has really ramped up. Right? So you wanted to go into this first and I think it's worth it. So what where did you want to go with this? I'm gonna well, let you lead the way.
1: Here's the fun part of this, and and I mean not the story itself, but the fact is that Chris and I have not talked about this at all. So we actually have no idea where either of us stand on the issue. But I actually want to say this. I think there are few issues that are as difficult and complicated as this issue is, for about a hundred different reasons. Because yeah, you, know, you can listen to both sides. The one side saying you have to take them in; it's the compassionate thing to do. We right. have to do that. Right. Um, and then the other side that says no, we shouldn't take anybody in because you know right now we just can't deal with it. We've had this obviously this horrible attack in France. The one perspective I really don't get and I think is absurd and I want you to push back is the one that says we should only take Christians or we should only... Because I don't know... If you're concerned about how you're going to screen people, I don't know how you screen people for religion. Right. I mean, there's no blood test. No, and, and it's funny because Americans on this um, you know, seem to be siding against Obama, seem to be very cautious in the wake of the attack. But it seems like most people don't agree with the Christian-only thing either. Right. And I... I don't know how. I mean, hmm. because this
0: world and this, this, at least our government, this people in America, classify a Christian different than maybe what it actually should be, right? We'll take people who identify as Christians, but not people who identify as Muslims. Well, that doesn't really help the situation because there are a lot of jerks out there who call themselves Christians, right? I mean, there's right there's a lot of arguments, and again, I don't buy the argument that a lot of these people who are, have been bad actors throughout history are Christian. They, Hitler wasn't a Christian. And he didn't. I don't think he even labeled himself one. Regardless, even if he did, it doesn't make him a Christian, right? But if you right. look, well, at, and if you look at the faithful in in areas of the world like that, then yeah, I want the Christians and not the the radicalized Muslims. But how do
1: you? I agree. But how, here's the thing: How do you screen for that, right? If you're a radical Muslim who wants to come in and attack the United States, you then pretend to be a Christian, right? I mean, it's not that difficult. I think the fact that serious presidential contenders are proposing that is concerning to me a little bit only because now maybe I'm wrong maybe there's some secret system a blood test or some sort of chip that has been put in people's arms I don't know about that will tell (laughs) us that they're Christians but it just seems a little odd yeah now look the reason I said it's complicated is because you know we do. It, there is a very strict, and I think people don't look at the facts. There is a very strict screening process. It takes eighteen months to twenty four months to get into this country. But that taken just, in, be, just because it takes eighteen months to do it doesn't
0: because well, the on. government the government's doing it right. Just because right. it takes eighteen months doesn't mean it's being done well. It means well, that's the whole it just point. means it's that's, being that's done by the say. government,
1: right? I was gonna say that. Yeah, I mean, look it doesn't mean it's being done well we've let in 2200 people so far but there's a push to let in 10,000 in the next it year so seems that's ridiculous the, right i mean that that i think is the is the big piece of the puzzle here that is problematic it's tough look we partially destabilized yeah. the middle east yeah oh, yeah yeah okay um, so with that happening and with this vacuum, we are responsible to do something to stop this problem. Well, I, don't, I believe uh, that. At I, least.
0: Well, I don't know that we're responsible to do something. I mean, I guess in response to our perhaps leading to some of the problems, we should have been backing Assad all along. Period. Is he a dictator? Yeah, but he's not as bad as having a vacuum there, right? It's the same thing with why we propped up you know uh, 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 Saddam Hussein for so long, because he was our dictator. He was at least a dictator we could manage. Same thing with Assad, you know. Part, but okay, regardless, okay. There's a their fiasco going there. My my thing is, um, well, two things. One, I think you don't let anybody in from Syria. You you put them other places in the region over there in the Middle East. I think you say we create safe areas, not like safe spaces, like they're talking about on college campuses <laughs> today. I'm talking about safe legitimately zone. safe areas for them to be. Because if they want to go back home, if they ever want to be able to go back home, taking them out of the country is a bad idea. Because all it's going to do is create an area that is all not Christian. I mean, Santorum was making this point, And I think I read about it on Hot Air or something. But Santorum was saying, listen, we shouldn't be taking anybody from Syria, especially not the Christians. And not because we don't want the Christians here. But if we want them to be able to go home, if we take them away, there will be no Christian community and no Christian base in Syria. But that does require... All.
1: look. The reality is, I do think we have a responsibility to do something. Um, I do. I mean, that's just what I think. I don't know that I'm right, but that's how I feel. I I look at this and I say to myself, are we just, and I don't want to go to war again, I don't think anybody right. does, but are we just delaying an inevitable? Is Are we delaying an inevitable and pushing it off to a point where there's going to be a new president coming in who's going to have to tackle these problems? Yeah. Um, or, and look... Safe zones are great. I, I mean, they seem great. I'm not an international relations expert, but I would assume that with that would come a military responsibility. We, we how are you protecting so. these safe right. zones? Right. I guess my point is, how in the world do you get away from a military responsibility, right. even though that's not what anybody wants? Well, and look, I'm not saying that nobody should be, be let in, but I'm also... I am. I'm saying that. You are saying that, yeah. But I am saying... That there are serious problems to consider if you are going to be letting and people. I'm not, in. So- I'm not,
0: and again, I'm not saying, and I don't want you know this to get back to our boss. Like you don't want to let anybody. In. It's not. It's a matter of not. Letting, I do. I want to help people. Yes. Do I think that they should necessarily be brought to the United States? I do not. I do not. That's not what I think that the answer is. Okay. Well, that's, I, I let think- me let me be clear about that. I don't want to. You know, I don't want any misinterpretation of what I'm saying. I, it's not about. I don't want to help them at all. Though I would say, if we hadn't caused the problem, there's I would say we don't need to help. But if we, because we can't be going around being the world's nanny all the time in every area, now there is an international community to which we pay huge dues that ought to be taken care of. It, if the UN wants to get in and create safe spaces, we'll help do that. And
1: I don't know I what guess, that looks
0: like. I really don't. But.
1: I guess my issue. And I don't have an answer on this. I'm very much if there was the scale and the zero to ten, I'm a five because, <laughs> you know, look, okay, you you there are a lot of parallels to what happened before World War II here yeah. in terms yeah, of the yeah. population. And yeah. look, a lot of people said the same thing. I'm not accusing you of, being, but I've said the same thing. We this isn't our responsibility. We and we definitely didn't cause that problem. So I don't know what the answer is. I don't think there is an answer. I don't think right. there is a good answer. No. But I do know. That it's irrational for people to be angry when somebody questions whether or not some people coming in could potentially be extreme. I just can't imagine why that's controversial. Yeah, we should be concerned about that. Right. Yeah, we should be looking at that. That is what our government is supposed to be doing, protecting its people. Right, protecting so, our people. Right. That's what I mean. Our people, protecting not our, not our their, people. Those people. Now that's what I that, mean. That yep. being
0: said, let me that being said, let me say. Should we, uh, Again, bringing up the, the pre-World War II environment is, is totally legitimate, I think, because I think there are parallels to be drawn. But I think that I think that the area we have to focus on is, is uh, like, for instance, what is what Glenn is doing with the Nazarene Fund, it's a private thing, and they're going through and screening these folks and trying to work on bringing them here. The government's going to screw it up, and they'll screw it up every time because they're either A, inefficient, B, uh, inept, or C, politically correct. And the political correctness will not allow for them to actually be honest in their screening processes. Now, are you taking a picture of me? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So I I think that it's, um, now did did you listen to Glenn talk about how they do the screening thing?
1: Am I being honest here? No, I didn't.
0: See, no, here's what's interesting because Glenn, they, they, they talk about the religious screening thing and Johnny, um, Johnny Moore. Johnny Moore was talking about how they do the screening thing, and they do it through the churches over there, through the organizations. They say, how long have you known this person? Has, have they been going to your church for a long time? Well, I've known their parents, and I've known their siblings, and I've known them religiously for this long, and before they were here, they were over there. This organization or this church, they've been active. <coughs> they've been baptized. This is I mean, you get a record of what's going on. Then I think that you get some adequate screening, and then, then you make the argument of doing... Christian immigrants or refugees versus non-Christian or Muslim refugees. I still think I, I still don't
1: like it because no, on a private
0: scale. Not, I'm not talking necessarily the government. I'm talking what Glenn is doing.
1: Yeah, and I that's fine. I'm, I'm not gonna. I don't know the ins and the outs enough to say that I. I think it's a great project. That the intricacies of what you just described. I mean, look. The fact is that Muslims do kill Muslims, and a lot of the people who are who are targeted. By ISIS are Muslims because they're the majority of the population in these countries, right? So if you're not going to go kill, along, they don't kill with...
0: Muslims necessarily with the goal of killing Muslims. Though sometimes you know Sunni Shia fights, that's what it is. But a lot of times, it's Muslims are collateral damage in a larger scale attack that they're conducting.
1: Right, on. and there are more of them. So you know, right. look, Christians and Yazidis are going to be targeted. I would imagine Muslims are obviously targeted too. I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I, I think that sort of screening is probably. Um, you know, is probably affected. but what if it's somebody who really hasn't been as active in a church? You know, you might be a Christian, you might, I don't know, I just... Uh. But that's where, the, that's where the in-depth
0: screening process that Glenn has talked about comes in. Now, that doesn't mean that I necessarily totally am on board with exactly what Glenn is doing, and he's not asking everybody to be on board with it. He's he's trying to explain it and say, we'd love to have you on board if you can buy into this program. I, I do have some concerns. I have some serious concerns when we when we make an effort to bring in somebody from a bad area, regardless of what, what they say they believe or anything. I do have some there. And I think that it's wise to, as Glenn would say, question with boldness, have a little bit of curiosity and perhaps a little bit of skepticism. We talk about, all right, we want to bring in this many thousand people from this really bad area, but we're going to screen them so that they're all people that we can trust. And like, You're bringing in people from a really bad area and trusting us to trust that you're going to screen them correctly. I think that there's, I think that people who have concerns about that, uh, are legitimate, have have legitimate and honest concerns about that. I don't think it's a racist thing. I don't think it's a xenophobic thing. I think it's a, I'm concerned for the lives of my four year old kind of thing.
1: No, absolutely. And people should be concerned. Look, also there are a lot of people who have said we have enough problems here. We should be taking care of our own and, and all that look i I definitely think that if we're going to show there is a level of compassion that needs to be shown how what you do with that level of compassion whether you bring people here or you create safe zones there that's another story and I think you know it, it is becoming more and more disturbing where we are and yeah. I mean I and I'm writing this end times book and so in my mind i'm and I think it's like is this only because I'm writing this book or is it because I'm Seeing these things and I'm and now I'm not. I'm obviously not saying the end times is coming tomorrow, but but it is interesting what's happening yeah, in the world. Yeah. And I think it's hard to walk away and not say to yourself, huh? Yeah.
0: Well, and, interesting. and and okay, and so to not get you know, this is the church boys, and we talk about Bible things, you know, from time to time. But the Bible doesn't. The Bible says we can't know the day or the hour, but it does say right. that we can know the season, right? And so it's a matter the of paying si- attention and, and to signs, the right? Signs of the times. So it's about knowing the season. So pay attention, people. That and our goal our goal isn't to can I slip in just before the return of Christ. That's not our goal. Our goal is to live correctly throughout all of this.
1: Anyway. I think we need to transition. Oh wait. Yeah, go ahead. I was waiting for the music.
0: Sorry, I gotta find it now. I didn't know this was oh, coming.
1: Forget it, that's pathetic. This is but, awkward um,
0: transition trans- this is awkward transition transition. Just a second.
1: Um Well well there it is there it is we need to call sarah Rivet. well we do this is ladies and gentlemen you've entered the happy thanksgiving section of the show <laughs> moving on from syrian carnage to uh, <laughs> uh, all right, all right. do you have her number you're gonna call her yeah i'm trying to find her number here i got it you know I, yeah i don't know Why so don't I, i'm not quite the where you are but i'm not where the other side is either Oh, well, what's the other side the, the people who are just like, let everybody in right now no, with no conditions and why would you but ever also, worry but in a million years? I'm,
0: I'm, not on, I'm not necessarily on the we don't help anybody thing. And
1: you're on you're, the cautious side. Which I'm I think on the
0: extremely is... cautious side. And that's not just the Syrian refugees. That's with anybody we bring in. I don't think that we are careful enough in any our H-1B visas or any of that. Do I think we're careful
1: enough? Yeah, well look, Pierce Morgan got here. I mean... Ugh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I was going right,
0: to make a joke about the French, but that seems highly appropriate this time.
1: Oh, the poor French—they've had a rough. They have. Go it. Uh, somebody answered. You know that I'm on the phone, right?
2: Already answering bashing the French like my maiden name.
1: <laughs> it's just crazy already, uh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> she's off her meds. <laughs> it's Sarah
0: Ravet. Yay! Yay!
1: Yay! How are you, you Sarah? Have- how are you? Uh, how today, are, today,
2: how, are you I, to make, are you I make was gonna.
0: I was gonna say, how are you, Brago Mc, McWhale pants? <laughs> but it's not nice to tell. I am
2: not. I am not huge yet. I'm only 19 <laughs> weeks, oh, okay, so never I'm mind. still able to wear the majority of my original clothing. <laughs> um, the majority. There's some T-shirts and things that are questionable, but anyway um today's a good day i'm not sick for the first time and i feel like four months so that's wonderful
1: <laughs> well sarah i'm very happy to hear that just so everybody knows i hear about all of sarah's oh, aches and pains because we are very good friends so i hear about all of it i know oh. everything that's going on and let me tell you she has been miserable which makes me happy
2: Yeah, and not just not just pregnancy related i had about a food poisoning two weeks ago <laughs> Like I, had. I had to go to the uh, you had to go to the doctor
0: over that one because of concerns for the baby
2: well, you know it's not like food poisoning is dangerous for a pregnant woman at all it's, <laughs> it's not like I needed two bought two bags of IV fluids in order to be rehydrated nothing bad it wasn't bad at all
1: well, in light of your issues, we're actually calling you because there is a story you've been dying to share on the church boys
0: <laughs> I can't wait to hear this uh, I
2: am dying. I am dying to share it because it proves how far Billy and I have come from our very <laughs> truly evil days when we were uh, much younger and drank probably a lot more than we currently
0: do. Okay, yeah. so wait, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, so before you get into the story, we have to change names to protect the innocent. Let's say the guilty, the guilty. <laughs> so. Sarah and Billy are going to tell this story, but you're going to change the names of the people involved. So the only names that will exist in this story are the are people that are the actual names are Billy and Sarah. Everybody else, we're changing
1: names, right? Yes. Okay.
2: Not everybody else. Only one person.
1: No, we should change everybody's name just for effect.
2: But then it's going to get confusing because we can't change your wife's name.
1: Oh no, we don't have to change. Okay,
0: spouses can consi- you know okay. you know Andrea and what's your husband's name again? Oh, he wasn't Jim. there yet. My this husband, is like pre- Jim, Mike, Bill, pre-Brian. Oh, Brian. Yeah, I can remember.
2: Was, this was six years ago. Right. So this is before I even met my husband. All right. Which makes the story even better. Because to, it,
1: do you want me to set it up, Sarah? Do you want me to set it up? I won't get into... I'll just set up what happened.
2: Yes, you, you give the prelude and I will give the the final blow.
1: Okay, so... Sarah, I'm always playing tricks on people and, <laughs> and I, I'm and mean tricks. Like, I, I don't know why, but I always, I told, I told our editor today that I was quitting. Um, I just, I play these tricks on who, people. Who did you,
0: wait, who did you tell you're quitting? Did you tell this to I Scott? told Jason Howerton that How? I was
1: quitting, that I was, I was leaving staff and giving a week's notice.
0: <laughs> By the way, Jason comes up <laughs> later in the show. Might he I actually,
1: not. his response to me was good. Bitter, was actually don't let violent. the door um, hit, Yeah. <laughs> No, it was a violent response oh, really? about slitting throats and destroying families. But anyway, <laughs> the bo- the bottom line is that we played a trick on this person named Trisha. We'll call her Trisha. Okay. Um, all right. Well, actually, no, it was on everybody. So we had we have this thing, this annual Friendsgiving event that Sarah hasn't been able to come to since she moved to Texas. But No, this is six all- years ago. You're married by now? I was uh, I uh, was Billy? married, yes. Okay. So we do a big Thanksgiving dinner. In fact, it's ha- it, it, by the time the show is airing, it will already have happened, and we make a turkey and everything. So we were having this event. We Andrea and I, my wife, always host this event. So we're hosting it. We're having a good time. I played this prank, and I pull Sarah aside and I say, "Sarah, let's do this. We if everyone's having wine right now. You're drinking wine. Why don't we pretend to have an argument? Because we're gonna tell everybody that you're pregnant, okay?" <laughs> And that you're drinking wine, and and we're gonna stage an argument over this because I mean, when everybody sees you drinking wine and you're pregnant, they're gonna be horrified. I mean, why would a pregnant woman ever drink wine? So Sarah and I oh, mapped this whole thing out. You're evil. And what? You're
2: forgetting something you're very important. But like,
1: what am I forgetting? She was so, pregnant.
2: Like this is just, this, no, no, I wasn't
0: at
2: the time, <laughs> but um, I I am now, and I'm very upset that I can't have wine at Thanksgiving or. On um, every single evening, as soon as I you <laughs> does, know, put the baby to bed. But anyway, does the pregnancy wait? So, does the pre- um, does the
0: does the pregnancy prevent you from bathing in gin, or just drinking?
2: I think you can absorb it through your pores, oh, okay. so I feel like it should it should prevent me, okay. but I might try. All I don't right. know. I right, do we'll yeah. So, anyway, so Billy's forgetting this very important thing, so this is the first Thanksgiving that I've been able to come to because I had just recently moved to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and was Ugh. able to um, catch a bus or take or drive myself up to New York City. They were living right outside of um, New York City in Yonkers in this very small like, basement, one bedroom apartment that is owned by Andrea's um, grandmother. And I can't believe how many people we fit into this little space. There's probably ten of us there. It was amazing. But so I got there on Friday night before everybody else did. And and I went in and used their bathroom and in the garbage can was a pregnancy test. So I came out and I said, are we expecting some kind of big revelation tomorrow? <laughs> I mean, should we throw this out? Like, do we want people to know? Are we happy? Are we not happy? So it turns out that Billy and Andrea had a pregnancy, I guess, scare, or they thought, but it turned out to be negative.
0: Anytime. Listen, just to be fair, I think you used the correct terminology here, because anytime anybody thinks of Billy having a child, (laughs) it is a pregnancy scare.
2: (laughs) That is fair. I will give you that. So Andrea and I kind of look at each other and we're like, nah, let's not throw it out, because, you know, that would take all of 12 seconds to empty the trash can in the bathroom so that no one else sees it. Oh I forgot. And then Billy about and I decide that it would be really funny if we left it there and then if anybody asked. We just yes, say, Oh, it's yes. Sarah's. because of course I would be the one to A accidentally get pregnant out of wedlock, B take a pregnancy test at a friend's house and leave it in the trash because
1: <laughs> You were the most likely. Know. Which is not true. You were exactly. not. I just think it's funny to joke about it. But well that's when we hatched the plan. So that because I was like, "Oh, this is fun. Let's trick them." Now, I could not have planned how brilliantly it actually took a turn. You know, when you launch something, an endeavor, and it just takes off and you can't control it anymore. That was what happened. So, Sarah and I are in the living room, and everybody's sitting down for dinner. It's like Thanksgiving dinner, right? And
2: again, we. 10 people in this very small space and it's like everyone's kind of on top of each other we all don't care we're all drinking it's a lot of fun like always
1: and Sarah's down in her wine and I and I viciously say to her don't you think maybe you should think twice before you drink wine while you're pregnant and it was like the music stopped everybody at the table (laughs) looks at Sarah chugging her wine and they're like, "What are you doing?" You know. Actually, no. Nobody says, "What are you doing?" Sarah and I proceed to get into a fake argument, and it was heated. I mean, we were good. It was like we went to acting school, going back and forth. Don't you care about your unborn baby? And all this stuff. Now, while this is going on, let me just say to all of our friends, I'm going to see a lot of them tomorrow. Not one person is concerned, aside from me, fake concern that Sarah might be pregnant and drinking. None of them. No.
2: They everyone don't care. Is, everyone is just kind of. Silent. They don't because they're know afraid. say, no one says anything. But We're screaming at each one, other at this point. One of our friends Trisha. takes it a little bit Trisha decides who is, has a flair for the dramatic, and um, tends to take every situation and turn it around so that it's no longer about the situation, but it's how, about how it's impacting that individual at that exact <laughs> moment in time. And um, oh. she's like, you should just maybe let her do what she wants. There's really no problem with it. And she starts defending my fake pregnancy <laughs> and my abuse of alcohol. Oh,
3: no! And
2: at one point I do this fake breakdown and I run into Andrea and Billy's bedroom, I think, and I slam the door and I fake cry when I'm actually like hyperventilating from laughing too hard. So it wasn't. It sounded like I was crying, but I just couldn't breathe because I
1: couldn't believe what was transpiring. But Sarah, like we can't even do it justice because so everybody else is silent at the table, but this one person, Trisha, is ranting and raving, and so she's like ramping bad behavior, right? But like ramping up, and the next thing you know, she's slamming forks down and scream, and she's screaming about this pregnancy. Trisha is, Trisha is, and and she's going on and on and on and on and on, and then. We get back all of a sudden, it's not
2: about the pregnancy anymore.
1: Yeah, nobody all cared about the pregnancy. Was, I couldn't no, believe it.
2: For, Trish, for Trish, it was All of a sudden, it wasn't about this situation. She, We were getting ready for dessert, I think. And we were bringing out knives <laughs> to cut the, the pie, if I remember correctly. And she's throwing knives down on the table. And she screams, I don't know why you guys have to ruin everything for me. This is my safe place. This is where I go to get away from everything else. And you all ruin it every single time. So she was. So, so like,
0: she. So she was mad about her evening being disrupted by the fight, <laughs> not about the subject of the fight.
1: No, and everybody else, I'm sure they cared that she was drinking wine, but nobody wanted to get involved because it became so heated. So yeah. finally, Sarah and I are like, "We need to end this joke because it has taken on a life of its own." And I'm like, "I said, uh, guys, this was all made up and it was fake," and everybody like bursts out laughing. And then Trisha stops, stares at everybody and realizes how, because I can't even do justice to the meltdown that this girl had. And then starts laughing and says, I got you guys. I got you guys. And tries oh, to no. play it off like she was tricking oh, us. no. Oh, yes. no. Yes. Yeah. But that doesn't <laughs> pale into comparison to the other time that you harassed oh, no. Trisha, Sarah.
2: Okay, I think that you encouraged that one, too. And I had to be reminded yesterday exactly what that one was about. Why don't we just and save
1: that story for another time, but it involved Twitter in <laughs> the oh. confiscation of everybody's cell phones at Thanksgiving dinner.
2: Yeah, that, that was also my first foray into Twitter. As, as anybody who listens to the show and knows me knows, I am not a big Twitter fan. Um, I don't necessarily understand it, and Billy harassed me into getting an account several years
1: ago. Well, let me just say um, about this th- pregnancy debacle, it yeah. has become the story that lives on. It is talked about once a month. Yeah. And because it, we're not doing it ju- it was so entertaining and amazing yeah. to watch unfold. Um, but to this day, I ask them, why did nobody else stand up and say, what are you doing, stop drinking? And nobody can answer. About, it was all about
2: Sarah's right to drink. and It was bizarre. It was, um, which makes it even better because it's kind of like that's how absurd we were at that point in our lives. It was ridiculous. But let me hear another Thanksgiving story. Oh, the one where I drove to your parents' house.
1: Oh yes, Sarah and, actually had real Thanksgiving with my family once. Oh no.
2: Yeah. Um. Instead of going home from my house, I thought it would be quicker to drive to Rochester from where I was living, and um. So I made I tried to time it so that I wouldn't be there before Billy and Andrea arrived because. I'd only met his parents, I think, once before, and I ended up arriving at Billy's parents' house about an hour and a half before Billy and Andrea. <laughs> and his <laughs> mom put me straight to work. <laughs> 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 he had me making mashed potatoes and she just like, here, here's a list of stuff that I need done for tomorrow. I wanted to do it. Had you so met like, them? Had, had
0: you met them before?
2: I think I met them at their wedding. Briefly, and that was probably the only time that I met them prior to this Thanksgiving
0: dinner. <laughs> <laughs> what makes what really makes me laugh about this is that I can picture Laura Hollowell because I have a picture and voice of Laura Hollowell in my mind. Wait, don't you have something? I do have from something her? from her that we were going to play on the. This is the Thanksgiving segment of the show, so whenever you play want, it. play it. Sarah, I want to hear what my mom had to say. Sir do you want to listen? It's like it's like a five minute message. <laughs> Sarah, do you want to hear what Laura left on our answering machine? I would machine? love
2: to hear what she has to say for us for on, uh, on this Thanksgiving. Okay. She's a lovely lady. She was really nice, except for her making me peel potatoes.
0: She is lovely. <laughs> so okay, so I guess I guess now's as good a time as any. Let's go ahead and play the message from Laura.
3: calling because I just wanted to bring to you my list of things I'm thankful for considering it's Thanksgiving week. I thought it County, there are a bunch of floods. Bachelor, of course, and you know, that lovely John Seidel band. Where has he gone? I really enjoyed his, his podcast, where he, where he pretended to be a happily married man who talked about the Bachelor. And of course, The Bachelorette, she's a bit of a skank, but it's a fun uh, continuation of The Bachelor show, which I love out the
0: I thought that was a lovely message. What is wrong with
1: you? <laughs> you
0: guys
2: need help. So what did, what she, did she what call
1: did she... the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? Sluts. Oh and then she said the Bachelorette
0: is a skank. I don't know. Oh,
1: oh my god! So gosh. here's
0: what I don't. I know. Now I understand why you have this love of reality television. <laughs> it's a strange. If this list.
1: podcast doesn't get us fired. I don't it's know a, what. Will. It was a
0: strange. It was a strange
1: list
2: of things to think I do really say that
0: every week,
1: Billy. <laughs> I do say that every week. Oh my know. gosh, I can't. I really can't. I, honestly. I, oh, th- my When my real mother ever hears this, I'm going to be out of the will.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, I hate you oh, all.
0: Oh man. Well, Howard right, how 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 got, being... got a mention and, and uh, Seidel got a mention. That was nice.
1: <laughs> Seidel's mention was amazing
0: I thought it was nice of her to do that
1: amazing <laughs> amazing well I mean Sarah are is that the end of our Thanksgiving story i feel like people are probably like what but it was so good you had to get up for it
2: we, we built it up and it's just become part of the you know the Hollowell lore so whenever we get together there there are a few stories that we share and that happens to be one of them so we probably think it's funnier than uh, most everyone else but it's okay. That's what holidays are for, to tell inside stories.
1: That's right. That's right. You better believe it. All right. Well, Sarah, good luck gestating for the remaining. 20-
0: <laughs> Happy <gestate> gestation. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> that might be the funniest uh. thing you've ever said. <laughs> uh,
2: so, from now on, when anybody asks me how I'm doing, I'm going to say, well, I'm gestating. It's okay. <laughs> I think that's going
1: to be my new answer. Well, I, I think it. it's a wonderful answer.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, we better let you, you go. Twisted. Yeah, we are a little bit. We better let you go. We got yeah. other crap we got to cover, and you've got a child to beat or care for.
1: So,
2: yeah. <laughs> oh. isn't that the same thing? <laughs> isn't that just,
0: the
1: same it's, thing? It's close. <laughs> uh, all, right. all right. Well, Sarah, it's been real. All right. We'll talk to you later.
2: Yeah. Have fun talking about the news and whatever yeah. random other crap you guys talk
1: about. All right, get off our phone. I hung up, I hung up on her. Um the bo- <laughs> the, bo- the bottom line here is that I don't know that the Thanksgiving story was amazing as we think it is. I liked it. I Did liked you? I mean I, I can't do it justice. The meltdown was so epic that well, people went from being terrified over Sarah and horrified yeah. over Sarah drinking to being horrified over the meltdown.
0: Like it like so what's amazing to me is that she wasn't it wasn't just like she was mad that Sarah was drinking while she was pregnant. She wasn't even, even, even even the ridiculous argument that you would dare to confront Sarah over her drinking. She wasn't mad over you daring to confront over the drinking. She was mad that you dared to ruin her Thanksgiving by fighting
1: before her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the irony of this whole thing is that if anybody was gonna have a fight with somebody about drinking while pregnant, it would have been me. So like everybody was kind of like, "Oh, here we go again." You know, like it was right. like one of those things. I think Mr. Churchy Churcherton. Yeah. Like of course he's upset that she's trying to, you know, right. Toxic shock. Right. Her child. Right. Um. Anyway, moving moving on. Okay. Moving on to awkward transition. I think we need to talk about. Um, do you want to do the interview now, or do you want to get to do another You know what? Story? Yeah, let's do the interview now. All right, and then and then we'll close out. All right, tell them, tell people, tell the people what the interview is. And since we're not taking breaks here, it's your Thanksgiving gift, America. <coughs> oh, sorry, that was my cough. Um, well, Natalie Grant, wonderful Christian singer. I love her, by the way. Who Chris? You hung out with for a weekend? Yeah. Uh,
0: so let me see. I don't want to use any names other than Natalie Grant's, But we were uh, the wife and I lived in Virginia for twelve years. And during our time there it was a church that we attended. We were we were not on we were essentially on staff, but we were not on paid staff. But um, the pastor and his wife and their son were on staff, and we were very close friends with them, and they were like family to us. And so we were practically on staff with them. And then we brought in another staff. We brought in a youth uh, a uh, a youth minister. And the interesting thing about this youth minister was that um, he was a recording artist who gave up recording contracts to enter the ministry, to be a youth minister at our church. Like he was big in like friends with Bill Gaither kind of big and you know, invitations to play and sing with the Gaither vocal band and other groups. So he knew Natalie from singing with her in different things in Nashville as a recording artist. So he was friends with Natalie and, uh, convinced her to come to Virginia, our church in Virginia, and she gave like a little mini concert at our church, but it was also the week or weekend of our, what we call an, uh, uh, just the Night of Hope. And it was an event that happens in McPherson Square. Every, it would happen in McPherson Square every year. And we do ministry for the homeless and including, you know, uh, clothes and shower truck and food. Um, Care and uh, food and backpacks and that sort of thing, but the biggest thing was the we gave out haircut, free haircuts. So there was a, a barber who lived in the, who went to the church and he would close down his shop for the day and have and pay all of his workers to come up and give free haircuts to all the homeless, which was really, oh amazing. wow, yeah, it was really wow. amazing. In fact, there were a lot of several homeless who were looking to go get jobs but couldn't get afford to get a haircut and so they were going to go get a job but they couldn't get a haircut but we gave them haircuts anyway it was really it's a really amazing thing so one year she came for that and actually gave a mini concert at the thing and it helped draw in you know the public and that's they, so the public would see it but anyway
1: that's awesome. Wonderful well, lady. Wonderful. Lady. She is. And in fact, you know, I I sometimes when you do these interviews with, with celebrities and, and with Christian celebrities, it's sort of like, okay, well, a lot of times you do them, and just be let's be honest, because that's what we do on the church boys. We're honest. Right. Um, we you do them because it's somebody who people know and it's gonna be good for your show and it's gonna yeah. be good for a story. Um, but with Natalie Grant, it's she's somebody who's actually really interesting to talk to. And in fact, I would say we're very lucky on on this show, most of the people we have on, the vast majority, they have something really interesting to say, which is yep. why we bring them on. Yep. And so, you know, I had a great time. We talked about her album, which just came out, um, I think November thirteenth. We talked about, you know just how difficult it is to be in the public eye and be a Christian and have views that are Christian views, Christian right. moral views um in a society where that's not always valued. And so just an awesome person. And in fact, we're going to be talking with her again next month, probably when she comes back to New York. But um, nice. but yeah, let's just, let's roll this. I think, I think we should just roll it. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys, and I have a special guest on the line today. It's Natalie Grant. How are you today?
4: I'm well, thank you. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. So how are you enjoying New York City?
4: <laughs> I love it. I love every chance I get to come to New York. So it's fantastic. It's a lot different from Nashville, where I call home, but I love it. I love the hustle and
1: bustle. <laughs> it's so funny because I actually I, I live in New York and I actually love Nashville. It's a great great city. So i <laughs> I've been hearing
4: that from a lot of New Yorkers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's let's dive in and talk about about this because you have a new album out called B One, and it, tell me tell me about. I guess I'm just interested because you've done this is your ninth album, correct? Yes, so you've done nine albums what I, and I always ask this question of of musicians and artists because I think it's really interesting you know, sort of what goes in to the album but I think the broader question is you know how does it change over time putting an album together
4: <laughs> well you know this time it actually was um, different for me it was actually very set apart from the other eight records that I've done previously and you know outside of like the first time you make a it's it, 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 You know, if you have a record deal. And after you make your first record, your record company usually comes to you, you know, a certain amount of time in. And they'll say, okay, it's probably time to start thinking about making another record. And then you'll start talking about what you want the record to sound like and what kind of songs you want to write. And um, this time around was the only time it was completely different. Um, I felt compelled uh, to write. These songs and my record company didn't come to me and say hey it's time they were still working my previous record and so I said hey I'm going to make a new record and I want to put it out before Christmas and they said impossible and I said no it's, it's not impossible I'm going to do it and they actually gave me complete creative control they didn't hear a single song until the record was completed um, which was amazing to me that they allowed me that freedom. Um, but more than that, we made the record in six weeks' time, which I've never made a record in wow. less than a year by the time you write the songs. It's usually a much longer process. Um, but I think the record is better for it um, because creative types we have the tendency to overthink and over tweak and you know go back to the drawing board one too many times. And sometimes we can overthink the creativity and the specialness out of it when instead we should have just gone with our initial gut instinct. And this time we didn't have time to overthink it. We had to go with our initial gut instinct. And I think the record's better for it.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's crazy. Six weeks, wow. And yes. <laughs> you know, and one thing that I love about this, now you recorded this at your home studio, right? And, and your family was involved in this
4: project. <laughs> yes, well, my husband and I, I mean, we, we met as a result of of this process, you know, 17 years ago. Um, So he's been my music producer for quite a while. And he's a songwriter, a prolific songwriter, and a music producer for a lot of other artists. But we do work together. um, And we've built a studio in our home, which is fantastic, because we can put our kids to bed. I put my pajamas on, and then I go to work. That's awesome. (laughs) And I started making the record.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. And your kids, now your kids appear on a song on the record as well, right?
4: They do. We did a cover of a pretty popular praise and worship song by um, a group called Bessel Music Group out of uh, Redding, California. And it was a song that my daughters loved. We would listen to it on the way to school. And I was like, I'm going to record this song. And I did. And I, I put them on it. So they're singing at the end. And, you know, they would never they would watch me in the studio. They come down to the studio all the time but they'd never recorded on the microphone. And our youngest is only four years old. And my husband you know, said to her, her name is Sadie. He said, Sadie, you know, Daddy just needs you to sing this one more time. And she said, one more time. I got tons of these. I could do this all day.
1: <laughs> oh, you got a future <laughs> so star in the making. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, well, so tell me this, because I think uh, this is some of the, the interesting stuff really about about the album. What what is the central theme of this album and what do you want people, listeners, fans to walk away with?
4: You know, I think that the central theme of this record is just encouraging people to shift their perspective. <clears throat> and, you know, I think about just the culture that we live in, what's happening in the world at large, which, you know, evil has has always been present, you know, in this in this world. And and I don't know that that we can say that there's a greater presence of evil in the world. It seems like it, but then when you take a moment, you go back through history, you go, yeah, there's lots of moments throughout history that have been marked by some pretty dark, evil things. Um, But I think that maybe what there has been more of is an absence of light and just people taking the time to just be good and do well. And for me, I'm informed by my faith. Everything I do, every decision I make is informed by my faith, but even just the general human spirit of doing unto others as you want them to do unto you. And this, I think sometimes we can get so caught up in our, whether it's what's happening in the world or what's happening in our own personal world, we get so caught up on what we need instead of remembering what we already have And changing that perspective of, okay, I'm going to stop pointing the finger at somebody that I need to do something for me or change something or make this world better. And instead, I'm going to raise my hand and say, I will be the person to do something and make this world better. And I feel like every song really kind of helps to direct the listener to shift their perspective and when you can have a change in perspective it doesn't take your problems away and it doesn't end the struggle but what is what it does is I think as you can shift your focus onto how you can help somebody else and how to have a grateful heart for what's already been accomplished in your life I don't know I think it just seems to make your own problems shrink just a little bit
1: yeah, and you raised a really interesting thing and I've kind of thought about it but I think you worded it very nicely. You know, we have that that whole discussion about have things gotten worse, right? And Ha, ha, is there more evil in the world? That's kind of the right and and the point you raise I think is an interesting one. You know is and look I mean there's a lot of headlines and and I talk about this all the time and I report on this all the time about you know the decrease in Christianity in America and, and all of that and I mean I've been a Christian my right. whole life. You, know, you look at those things and it's very easy to walk away and say is there more evil that there is more evil. Or you could kind of look at it as there's, there's not as much good, right? That maybe. Right. <laughs> and that's an interesting thing, really is.
4: Yeah. I think, I think that's, you know, obviously with social media, I think we're more aware of the evil, maybe than in times past. But I think that for me, what I see more is a complacency and a tendency for people of faith to panic. And to say, oh, my gosh, I'm just going to, you know, hide under my pillow until the end comes, and then all will be made right. (laughs) Right, right. And, And I really would rather say, no, there's no better time than the present to actually march to the front of the line and say, okay, the greatest weapon I have is my love. And though I can't maybe fix all of the world's problems, what I can do is make a dent in my own sphere of influence by just leading my life
1: as a life of love. Yeah, and don't worry, I'm not going to ask you a bunch of culture war questions. I'm just curious, you know, as a <laughs> – because I know that's, like, everybody's fear. No, I mean, that's everybody's fear in interviews because it's – you know, you see these reporters, they they try to, like, put people up against a wall and ask them questions they already know answers to. Um, but, you know, is it is it ever hard – I mean, are you the type of person where you try to avoid those kinds of discussions? Is it hard, I guess, just being in the public eye, being – a Christian singer and being somebody who, you know, people are going to look to and and you're gonna do interviews trying to promote an album like you're doing now, and you get those questions, is that something you try to shy away from? Yeah, how do you how do you tackle that dynamic? Yeah,
4: you know, I mean, I don't try to shy away. I don't want to Argue for argument's sake, because that's just a bunch of hot air and a waste of time. What I try to do is just be authentic, and I don't shy away from it. And um, I, I feel like I'm pretty open and honest. Anybody who follows me on social media knows that. I think I don't allow anyone else from my team to post on my social media. Everything that's on there is actually put there by me. And um, I, I feel like people know that, and that's why my engagement is so high, because they, I talk about my struggles, I talk about my fears, I talk about my fear as a mom, I talk about my fear as a Christian, so I think that that constant open conversation, I just decided a long time ago, just to live my life, if I'm going to be in the, in the spotlight, to just live my life with open arms, and I'll be criticized by some, and embraced by others, and that's just kind of what goes with the
1: territory. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because it does. I mean, the last couple of years, I think for Christians in this country, have been a little. I think some people are in shock, other people aren't really sure what to think, and then there's some people who are just sort of apath- apathetic to it. But you know, it it is an interesting way of sort of, of of handling, of being open and just being yourself. Have you have you run into issues where you thought, okay, well, I need to rethink how I you know how I respond to that next time? Have you had any of that sort of thing? <laughs>
4: Well, yes, Um, one (laughs) big major one was I tweeted how much I left being a Christian singer after I decided to leave the Grammys early, and it turned into like this, this, you know, idea that I stomped out of the Grammys with a big sign that told everybody they were going to hell in a (laughs) handbasket, when none of that was true, and it turned into this big debacle all just because, yes, I left the Grammy Awards early because I... You know, it wasn't I was tired, I traveled all day, but also it was kind of going in a direction listen, I don't expect the Grammy Awards to be a church service. I knew where I was going and, and what would be happening, but it did kind of start moving in a direction that I just didn't want to continue to be a witness to. And so we my husband and I left early and I simply tweeted, Man, I'm so glad I chose to be a Christian artist because I've never called to compromise. Yeah. On my beliefs and what I do. And I looked at some of those girls that were on that stage and I thought, so you're famous and you have like no clothes on and you're being celebrated only for your sexuality, not for who you are. I wonder deep on the inside if if you're really, truly happy. That's really where it came from. Yeah. And it turned into this huge mess. So maybe I would have worded differently, but at the same time. I probably wouldn't have right, right. Do the same exact thing. (laughs) Well, it's funny
1: because the last time we talked, we and I think we talked way after that had happened, and we talked about it, and we did sort of an explanation story on it, and people were really interested in that. Where you just sort of said some of the things that you just said, and I think you know that year of the grant, I can't remember if it was twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen. It might have been twenty fourteen. Um, Yes, it was. That there was something about that Grammy Awards, though, and I think everybody felt it. That it was. It was
4: dark. Yeah, so dark.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was very. It was so
4: dark, you know. And I just feel like the one thing that I don't. Yes, I think there's a decrease in Christianity in this country, and I think all of these things. But the other thing that uh, has always been a bit confusing to me is, you know, there are things that I stand for. There are. Um, you know, morals and things that I'm guided by in my life to me are very clearly right and wrong. But I've never understood why Christians, why the church expects the world to act like Christians. <laughs> <laughs> and they're always so surprised or like a big hubbub because Starbucks like took Christmas off their red cups. I'm like, I don't care what those red cups say, just put my coffee in it. Right. Like, Starbucks is never going to be a Christian company. And I'm like, why? why do we expect the world to act like Christians? Why don't we just instead focus on acting like Christians to the world? And I do think that we've gotten that a little bit backwards as of late. But <laughs>
1: Well, it's part of the anyway. outrage, right? I mean, everybody's outraged about something all the time. And I feel like that has carried over. And and, I mean, I've been a Christian my whole life, so I'm well aware of the boycotts and the things that we as Christians (laughs) and not that you should never do those things. I mean, there are times where, but I think a red cup is a, it's a very silly, that whole thing was so ridiculous. And
4: I know I said to somebody today, I bet, I bet a Christian
1: didn't even start that. I bet Starbucks did. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was the best
4: PR
1: I ever. ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet you their sales are through the roof. I mean, I go to Starbucks all, all the time, and I was not offended by a red cup. And look, it's still red and green. That was the whole point. That you know, a lot of people were making. Um, but yes. let me ask you about some of your your own struggles. There have been things that you have sort of worked through of late, uh, right? In the last, you know, year or two. Um, and, and I don't, I believe this is true, but depression, some things like that that you have, been, you have been working through, is that is that true? Yeah,
4: yeah, after the birth of my third child, um, I really struggled with postpartum depression and I think because you know, as a person of faith, um, I carried so much shame, which I think every woman who struggles with postpartum depression carries that anyway, but then add to the fact that I'm in a, you know, a spotlight that they trying to, to give the right Bible verses and answers to those who are struggling. And you think of it as a personal reflection of your faith, you know? And so because of that, I, I think I suffered maybe a little bit longer because I was so ashamed to kind of um, own it and say, this is what I'm struggling with. And um, it was, it's was it been so freeing to talk about it openly. I think a lot of people in the church don't talk about depression Because of that, they think, oh, it's such a reflection on your faith or lack thereof. And so people stay so quiet and they don't create an environment, you know, which to me could turn into a soapbox of mine. But I think that's part of the problem with with some of our churches today is that we don't create an environment where people feel like they can do um, what Jesus actually said, which was, come to me. Whoever you are, whatever you've got, whatever your junk, Come to me and I will give you rest. And I feel like, you know, we've not done a very good job of creating an environment where people can come clean and come forward with what they're struggling with. And I know I felt like that for a while. And ever since I've been really transparent about it, first of all, there's so much freedom and healing in just being transparent. But then just the thousands of people I've heard from, who, who are struggling with depression? It it made me realize that it's a conversation that really needs to be had within faith based
1: circles. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely, absolutely, and it's one that I think mental health um, in general, at, you know, very broadly, has been something that's been lacking. And obviously, you had Rick Warren and Kay Warrens, you know, talking yes. about that. And I think you know it's it's definitely something that a lot of people are facing that nobody's really talking that people haven't really been talking about. And um, so I right. appreciate you. Being willing to, to share some of to share some of that. Now, um, we're gonna make sure we link out to your album. Are there any final thoughts you'd want to share about the project? Anything you'd want people to know?
4: <laughs> I just really feel like you know you never plan on what's going to be happening the moment that you release a record, and it just. It's amazing to me how this record for me was so different because I felt like, listen, I'm not some, you know, hocus-pocus, crazy Christian person. I've never heard God speak audibly. I've been listening for a lot of years, and I've never <laughs> heard, like, some big voice from the sky, you know? But I definitely recognize that still, small voice that's, like, in your gut, you know, that instinct yeah. that you feel. And I feel like on so many of these songs, like, I was just holding the pen. I really feel like... These messages are so specifically for this very time that we're living in. And it's incredible to hear from people who sense the same thing, who maybe have been listening to my music for a long time, and they even sense the difference. And that's been so exciting. So, all, all I hope is, and can pray is that it just continues to be an encouragement and brings about life transformation.
1: Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on today.
4: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
1: So wasn't that an interesting interview she's, with Miss Natalie Grant? I just, well, I mean, you know what?
0: I just love her. I mean, I think that I don't, it doesn't matter if you like her music or not. I'm not a huge contemporary Christian music guy, as you know, uh, but I like her. I mean, I think she's extremely talented. Don't get me wrong; I think she's extremely talented. Does her style of music my kind of music? I, I don't know, but I like her a lot, and she sells her personality very well. I think she's a genuine human being, genuinely nice human being.
1: Yeah, no, I think so too, and I and she was really honest, which is what I loved about you know facing depression in the last couple of years and right. some of the things she's gone through that I think a lot of people don't want to admit or talk about, especially when they're Christians. Um, so it was kind of cool to to hear about some of that stuff, and I think I think she's great. I cool. think she's she's awesome, and you know just like Jason Crab and Matthew West and some of the right. others we've had on, I'm I'm hoping we have her back. Like I said, I think next month we should be catching up with her. Good. Oh, and actually, I'm gonna be going down to the view in the next couple of weeks to hang out with candace cameron and and watch the show so that should be kind of interesting like you're gonna do that december yeah well you know she's in town for the next she was here all week this week she's in town for the next three weeks so i'm hosting the you know co-hosting the view so i'm gonna just pick a day and go down and uh, check it out and see um i think you know she's been really welcoming telling people to come down friends to come down she seems it's it's probably nice to, when you're the only person who thinks one way to have like friends yeah. and family or people you're at least remotely you right. know a little would bit come sit, down and
0: Would you mind sitting in the front row of the audience during the during the view today <laughs> just clap well, your head off <laughs> I'm pretty sure
1: my my head would block everybody else's <laughs> face behind me but um, did I tell you I let's talk about really quickly before we okay, talk okay. about a story and then close out Okay my kid is all of a sudden my 3-year-old obsessed with the size of people's heads and <laughs> She has started, and it's really awful.
0: Uh, would, okay, so I got that text from you or the email. Or we were I don't know. We were chatting back and forth, and I don't know what is it about.
1: I mean, what exactly? What does it mean when she's scared of people with large heads? So she woke up one day talking to me about, and I don't even understand. I think she like had from a bad nap, dream.
0: Or, okay, is so it like nap time from or like nighttime? More, more, okay, okay, nighttime. Okay.
1: The morning she woke up. Right. She came. She came over to me and said, "You know, Henry, who's our very cute nephew, Henry came after me with a Mack truck." I don't know what she's talking about in her dream. And he had a big head. And so now she walks around telling Henry how big his head is all the time. Does he have a big head? No. Okay, she just, In, but she dreamed this. She dreamed that he had a big yeah, head. Yeah, okay. I think so. Maybe he had but a big This head has been going head. on for like a week now. And Henry has a big head. Henry has a big head. And <laughs> today, I w- we were going through different people. This person's a boy. This person's a girl. You know, she was just saying, like, mommy's a girl and daddy's a boy. And, you know, i uh, going through. And, and I said, how about Henry? And she said, he's got a big head. <laughs> like, that was her response. I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> the size um, of that boy's noggin. It's like an orange. It's just, she's, you know, kids get fixated on these funny things sometimes. And this is what she is fixated on right now. And then, you know, she's like talking about her head. And and she's like, I'm going to go to school and tell other people that they have big heads. I'm like, you can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot do that. She, I'm telling you, she's going to be like an actress or some kind of performer because she is hilarious. Anyway, back, this whole show has been unhinged. It has been a little bit. That's right. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy 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 Thanksgiving! If you didn't tune out during the Thanksgiving holiday fake pregnancy scare, and you're still with us, <laughs> they hung around uh, for Laura. <laughs> we need yeah, we need an awkward transition.
0: Okay, uh, here we go. Music. Let's try. I'm going to try a different one. Just a second.
1: There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. So, I think we need to talk about this scandal scene from the show Scandal that really got yes. has been getting a lot of attention. The abortion scene. Well, it, it appeared to be an abortion, and when you watch it, it's hard to walk away thinking it's anything else, but it it appears to be an abortion, and anybody who watches it – look, I've seen every single Scandal episode, actually. I've, I, it's a show I've seen every – and I don't think I'll be watching it again, to be honest, but it is a it is a show that is about – the president and scandals that go on in the White House. And, you know, some of it's interesting. I mean, I, I wouldn't have picked the show. It's a show that my wife watches. Uh-huh, whatever you I say. I didn't see this episode, though, actually, because mm-hmm. we always DVR and watch it a few days later. So in this in this episode, she apparently was pregnant with the president's baby the, and decided the, the main character. The, 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 fake,
0: and, the fake president's baby, not... The fake president's This baby. isn't
1: a documentary. <laughs> Um, anyway, so she she then has an abortion, and but while they're while they're showing that scene, the abortion scene, they're playing Silent Night in the background.
0: Like, you got to be kidding me! Could you be any? I mean, could you be have be any more tasteless?
1: Now, it might be that this was not an abortion, but I think it was, it was. the, it the was. star, it the was. Kerry Washington, tweeted who's the star? She plays um, Olivia Pope, the main character. Tweeted the I support Planned Parenthood hashtag last night. Right. So
0: and, the clearly, fact, and she was pregnant before, and now it says here after the scene, she's standing looking at the Christmas tree, drinking wine and smiling, and smiling while and they're playing Ave, Ave Maria. Maria. You know. Right. Right. So no, it's definitely. I,
1: I just here's what here's actually what I want to say about Shonda Rhimes, and I would love for her to hear this because bust, I think it's bust, actually a Busta
0: Rhymes? What? Busta Shonda Rhimes is the woman who oh, Sean, has that, made. Is, now
1: is that Busta's sister? You are awful. Um, she has made a number of shows that are very popular. Um, Grey's Anatomy is her show. <clears throat> um, Scandal is her show. How to Get Away with Murder. The the thing that I found... sounds like she's mo- a quality person. Well, here's the thing. These shows have great characters, interesting storylines, and are wonderful shows. No. Aside from the fact... And it really happened more with the latter shows, not as much as Grey's Anatomy. I don't watch Grey's Anatomy, but my wife does. Should, right, They're never, filled yeah. with garbage and trash that is so disgusting and unneeded that it actually takes away from the creativity that she has. She's a great producer. She's She's very smart and has created wonderful, interesting characters and storylines that for some reason she has decided for shock value or whatever else to infuse these shows with an amount of trash and garbage that is so unwarranted and unneeded that I think it's sad because it really, for me, as somebody who wants to enjoy these shows, takes away from all of it.
0: Well, see, I, I don't, I don't enjoy these shows, and I don't want to enjoy these shows. I, I, I don't like Grey's Anatomy. I've watched it because my wife. I don't like Grey's Anatomy. Wife, Anatomy either. We don't watch it anymore, but my wife used to watch it fairly, not regularly, but fairly regularly, and I'd watch it with her while doing other things, and I didn't like it then. I don't like Scandal, and I don't... What's the other one? I haven't seen it. How to Get Away with Murder. How to Get Away with Murder. I don't know that one, I, but I, I can't um, imagine I would enjoy... I just don't... I don't like television simply dramas. I like thrillers. I like... Now, th- this might speak... Uh, I'm, I'm not speaking against the garbage that's contained because there's garbage in other shows, too. Like, I like shows like Blacklist. <laughs> you know, something that's got some thriller edge to it. I'm not into the drama scandals. Well, well, soap Scandal operas is kind of like that, but it's, though. But it's soap operas at night. That's what but it is. They've moved. They moved daytime the thing, days of our lives television, and they put it in the evening.
1: Yeah, but if you take the not sex out of it, it is it is blacklist. That's the no, kind of no, I mean, no, no, no,
0: no. It's not blacklist. It's not blacklist.
1: I, I actually look. I'm, I'm I gonna think beat that you about the They are they are they are somewhat similar without all of the sex. And I actually think blacklist is a great show. My point is Shonda Rhimes could be doing shows like that, and she doesn't want to, and that's fine. She has the free speech not to. Right. But I think that it, it is a sad time. In society, when there is a scene that appears to be an abortion and the song Silent Night yeah, that, about Jesus Christ yeah. is playing and people are praising the scene, yeah. that is a sad sign to me right. about where we are. And look, you know, again, and then they she, give, this is what she wants to rely on for success. Give, and then they give a middle finger to any Catholic viewers they might have by playing
0: Ave Maria after that while she's standing there drinking wine, watching the Christmas, looking at the Christmas tree.
1: It's bizarre. I just, I don't. I, I feel like the level of it, and yes, you're right, there is trash in other shows, but I would actually say that these shows have elevated the level of trash that can be contained in a show. And I I personally feel like How to Get Away with Murder, especially, has upped the ante on what is on network television. Ugh.
0: Ugh. Yeah, television is mostly garbage. That's why I stick mostly to sports. Yeah, you know. Do you, do you, watch,
1: do you watch sports games, Billy? Um, you know, I don't I know really I'm not nobody, because surprised. nobody I, surprised I find by that them answer. I find most games find boring just, to watch.
0: I just find them barbaric.
1: <laughs> it is interesting though with football but what's happening with people's, you know, their with their health and what's happening it is sort of an interesting You're such a think about it though. But but You're honestly fancy and this is a whole other discussion. If if there is a sport in which people are, are having lasting brain damage from. I'm just then saying. And people are profiting from that. Should more be done to protect people.
0: Only if they... It, 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 it. You choose to play the sport or don't play the sport. Period. But, but You're gonna right, tell me I you, agree. You, so what, what about the UFC fighters? They don't have any protection. And they're... I mean, come on, boxing. Boxing does more damage per square inch to the brain than football does. Would you, pay, ever will. would you pay for a boxing show to watch? There are boxing shows to watch. That's why they do pay-per-view. pay per view. It's huge. Saying, pay- like, you- I, no, I wouldn't watch. It's, I watch boxing sometimes if it's like on ESPN. If there's a if there's a boxing bout on that I want to watch, but I would never do pay per. I've never done pay per view for anything. I've never done pay per view movie. I don't do pay per
1: view. I wouldn't pay look, for. Look, I have nothing against. I have nothing against football. I, th- I think. I think you're right. I think people do choose, but I do think if look if there are ways to be safer, in as an industry. They should probably figure out what those ways are. And I'm not saying changing the game, you know. I don't think
0: they should be mandated to be safer, but I think that it's I think it's smart to protect your product to be safer. Right. No, no. The demands yeah, and cries from people not involved in football. Ah, you gotta be safer, you gotta be safer. You know, shut up. It, they'll it is, protect their product if they feel like they do. need to protect their product. Yeah. It
1: right. is something you choose to do. Right. Um all right, one last story before we before we go. All right, here. What do we got? Um Gosh, I don't even know. I'm. You know what? I'm going to choose because I think this one is. I have a couple stories in front of me. the The megachurch pastor Robert Jeffries of First Baptist Dallas in Dallas, Texas. What What he said about Muslims in his sermon on Sunday. Okay. Um, what he said about Islam. And I'll just read the quote. Make no mistake about it, Islam is just not another way to approach God. Islam is a false religion, and it is inspired by Satan himself, who Jesus said came to steal, kill, and destroy. And this weekend, what we we saw the fruit of Satan's destruction in the acts of these terrorists.
0: Okay. Um, now, did he say that on a news channel, on an interview, no. or did he say that as part of a sermon?
1: He said it as part of a sermon. Okay. And So go ahead. What, what was your No, opinion? I'm just
0: asking just for clarification, because I think it's
1: important. I do think it's important, because... <clears throat> there is a difference in preaching. Can mm-hmm. you hear him? No. Can you hear that? No. No. Okay. No. So, sorry, I was I was playing some of his his audio. But what what was interesting about this though was that it was a six minute clip that was posted on the church's YouTube. Right. So it did seem like there was an effort to, for better or for worse, people have different views on this, to put that piece of the sermon out there. Right. I think
0: you're from, waiting for me what, to say something that'll get me in trouble and I'm not saying it. I know, I'm anything. watching your face.
1: <laughs> I'm watching your face. Well here's what I would here's what I would say. Let me let me try to do the talking and get myself hopefully not in trouble. I would say theologically, every religion believes that the other religion is wrong. Every
0: every religion right. does.
1: Every believes religion. that every other religion is wrong. Unless you're a universalist, you pretty much Unitarian Universalist. But but even
0: as a Universalist, you would say every other religion is wrong because they all say they're the only religion that's right. Right. So every religion says that their religion is correct and the
1: others are incorrect. So I think that the issue that a lot of people would theologically look at what he said and might believe that it's theologically true I think the difference is how do you market something like that how are you when you are the speaker are you going to go out and say it that way in a sermon or whatever I don't know that's up to you but I think that a lot of times with these issues when something is controversial it's because of the delivery of it not because of the truthfulness of the message
0: it's different it's different if he goes on a on a TV and I and I don't know why exactly, except that well, I do know why. It's different if he goes on, if he gets asked to be on Megan Kelly, and he comes out and says this, 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 and this about you know Islam, versus saying it in a sermon. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that it's inaccurate one place and accurate another, or or whatever. I'm just I think that there's a difference when you say it just as a public statement, period, versus part of a message to the quote faithful who are at church right to to because the the church time is supposed to be a time of teaching and understanding wh- what the issues of the day are if if i'm if i if we want our if we want our pastors to go out and say communism is bad now listen there's been a big push i mean david Barton's all over this stuff we got to we got to be talking about these remember there's a big survey that they did about things people want to have talked about in church if we're going to have go out and say abortion is an abomination that comes from the depths of hell, and pastors ought to be have the courage and guts to go out there and say it, or if they're going to say communism is a bad thing or collective salvation is a bad thing, or all these prog- liberal progressive agenda items are bad things and they're going to destroy America. If we want pastors to have the, the guts and cojones to go out and say that to their churches, they have to be able to say it publicly as well, not just to their churches, but start with the churches. Why then would
1: we draw the line at them talking about false, what they say are false religions? No, look, I, in fact, he just tweeted, he'll be on, he'll actually be on O'Reilly. By the time people hear this, he will have already appeared on O'Reilly. I'm looking at his Twitter feed right now. Um, and I'm looking, uh, 21 hours ago, he tweeted, Islam doesn't lead a person to the true God. It leads people away from the true God. I think, again, theologically, that's what Christians believe. So, you know, for better or for worse. Um, actually, he retweeted the blaze faith. I'm looking at his uh, Twitter feed right now. Um. (laughs) You know, it's he was on Gretchen Carlson um, last week. So yeah, I mean, he tweets these things. He puts them out there, and, and and I think, I think that again, how you handle the how you handle the delivery is how you handle it. But yeah. it is different behind the pulpit versus in an interview with Gretchen Carlson. Yeah, I, and to I, and I me did, at least, I, and
0: I didn't. I think that it's perceived differently. Whether or not it's different, it's certainly perceived differently. Because if you're just going on TV and saying these things, that's one thing. If you're speaking about it in a place where Everybody expects you to be able to expound on your, <clears throat> your your theological beliefs. Then that's another thing. You know, I, I don't know.
1: It's all about intention. I believe it, it's yeah. all about what is your motivation, your intention behind. And I don't know anybody's motivation or intention. I think if you know, someone like Terry you. Jones burning Quran's is a little different.
0: Yeah. Well, and he, and he Terry Jones comes out and states his intention. I mean, if a person states their intention, you know what their intention is, right?
1: Yeah. All right. I guess. Terry Jones owns a fast food restaurant, <laughs> which I wrote a story about. Random fact. I'm um, inside of a mall. Anyway, um, I think we're done here. Well, happy Thanksgiving, Billy. We're, we're going to be back before Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: Well, so the plan is next week. The plan is don't hold Billy to this because he'll disappoint you. But the plan. Are you still there, Billy? I'm here. Okay. Your your face froze, which was disturbing. <laughs> the plan is next week. And again, don't hold Billy to, to to plans because he'll always disappoint. But the plan is next week. We're going to probably record Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, somewhere in there. Tuesday or Wednesday, most likely. And then we'll post it again after Thanksgiving. We'll post it regularly uh, on the weekend as we normally do is the plan. Uh, but we will have a show next week is, again, w- w- what we're shooting for. So, uh, anyway, if you don't – if it, this is the last time – Pedro and others will hear from us before Thanksgiving. So we can say Thanksgiving to them, whether or not we say Thanksgiving to each other. Or happy Thanksgiving. Well, can I say something that I'm excited about? I'm sorry, we're out of time.
1: I'm sorry, we're out of time. A preview? Okay. All right, our Christmas special, which Chris does not know about. Oh, dear. And we may do a few of these, but it's going to be about the myths surrounding Christmas. That's all I can say right now. The myths surrounding Christmas? The seven myths? Is it that book? How did did Christmas come to be?
0: Well, Jesus was born belly it's like a central part of, of the bible you well, know that part in the, the you'll, this, you'll have to wait and see you know what about two-thirds of the way through you'll get to a couple blank pages in your bible and then suddenly it'll say new testament <laughs> <laughs> this is kind
1: of for christmas the happened. blank pages <laughs> represent 400 years of silence <laughs> in case you were wondering oh. all right anything else for the people out there I can't even. I don't even know. I guess read your Bibles. I mean, yeah. Generate ge- read Genesis to Revelation.
0: Okay, and well, and you know, you could you could be kind to the listeners and wish them a happy Thanksgiving.
1: I'm not doing that because okay. we're gonna be back.
0: But we won't. They won't hear us before Thanksgiving because the next show won't care. be posted until after Thanksgiving. I, I don't care. I'm waving frantically over the <laughs> Skype.
1: Fine, guys. Drink happy Thanksgiving.
0: Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Well, see you later. Have a nice time. We'll see you later. Uh.